Thank you for downloading this podcast from Awakening Church. Thank you. Listen, we have officially had church today. Back in the day, they used to talk about having church, and, and ladies would sw- sling their, their hair and their bobby pins would fall out. Just trying to tell you, that was on the floor right there, so we have, we have officially had church today. <laughs> Hallelujah. How y'all doing today? Everybody good? Good, good. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Hey, Jose, come up here and talk to us just a minute. Uh, Isabel, so good to see you. Rebecca stole what I was going to do, but it's all good. It's a family reunion today. This guy, he surprised me, came in the back, and I saw him, and I just made my day. I just wanted to share briefly what the Lord's doing with him right now. All right, well, so good to be here, guys. I miss this place, and the presence of God here is just so refreshing and so good. And nobody has taken my spot there, so I was very happy. <laughs> I could dance and jump and all <laughs> So, well, I went to Chile very abruptly and without very previous notice from the Lord. And, you know, I just got there and uh, it's been a wonderful season. There's so much that happened there. I couldn't tell you in you know, a few minutes, but I got to see my family and uh, I got connected with a ministry that's going to high schools. And uh, God just spoke to me through dreams and visions. And I began going to these high schools and we just saw signs and wonders and the principal after speaking with her, she was weeping, and she I told her some stories about what God did in Georgetown, and she said, we need to have a prayer room in our school. So I'm like, we're both crying, and I'm. this is a principal of a school. <laughs> I was like, Lord, what's going on? <laughs> and uh, so I, and I'm doing that, working with young people, teaching tennis as I did here too, and uh, helping a, uh, a church plant with, uh, with just a bunch of guys that are just contending for the presence of God, you know, to be the main thing in their midst. So I was very happy. I, you know, a lot of times my my main ministry here was prayer and intercession, and it was awesome time here in Kentucky. And also I always think, you know, think back in my time here at Awakening and how God brought me here for two years and a half and with Ryan and Rebecca, like I was so wounded and broken just out of ministry without having people like fathers and mothers over me. And uh, I just like, a lot of the things, like I didn't know when I was here what God was doing in me. I was like, kind of just like, you know, just trusting him. But looking back, like now that I was, you know, doing ministry and all these things, who knows what had happened if I wouldn't have this time here at Awakening, where the Father's love, you know, through, through the leadership here, and not, you know, not just the cheesy kind of love, but, you know, just really care, the honesty of the Father, the discipline of the Father, and I was just really, you know, just so many tools on my belt that I went there, and now they're blessing so many young people and people in my nation. And I mean, if I would tell you some of the mighty things that the Lord did in Chile, it was I was, you know, I spoke in conferences. I never <laughs> it just many. The Lord just opened the doors everywhere. I went. I traveled around the country, conferences. I the Lord will give me words of knowledge. You know, like in, in, in crowd, I always, you know, just practice here in the church. And I was just like, we'll see what happens. And I will go a couple of aisles back. And, you know, if you're faithful with what God is showing you in the little, the Lord opens greater doors. And that's what he did. So I uh, I did it here, you know, just really scared. And now I, I, you know, got the opportunity to do it in 200 people. And the Lord actually breaking in and just setting an atmosphere of faith to that. So very thankful. I'm very thankful for having the opportunity to visit here again and just keep uh, I I when I was in the plane here I just really believe that you know in what God that Kentucky is the revival state still I believe that 
God has some something powerful. And I tell everybody there in the prayer meetings, like, guys, we need to pray for Kentucky. They're like, well, why would I pray for Kentucky? Because God has something there. <laughs> and uh, I just believe, you know, I, I am a, I, I, the lot of people in Chile said, you got to turn the page on. You're in Chile now. I was like, no. I was like, I'm not turning the page. God spoke, and I'm going to be loyal to what he said. So I intercede fervently, believing for a, a, an outpouring of the Spirit in Kentucky that would touch the nations, including my nation. So I just, you know, come here with this word that I think, I believe we're in a transition point for Kentucky. I believe we need to cry out. We need to be in prayer meetings because that, you know, the Lord shows up in those, you know, not just in your room alone, but, you know, these prayer meetings that are happening in uh, Louisville or, you know, just go to a prayer meeting, you know. <laughs> God, God is going to come through when we are gathered together, you know, around his presence and we're, you know, joining in with him. So I think, you know, I, I hope, you know, I'm here to September 3rd and I'm saying, God, just do something mighty uh, in Kentucky. So I'll be joining anything that, you know, any prayer meeting that's going on <laughs> to wait for the Lord. So thank you, Ryan. Thank you. Love you, bro. Yeah. I remember the first prophetic word that I gave to Jose. I heard the Lord so clearly say, this is a man of fire. And uh, I just, uh, man, we just still declare that over you. He is a man of fire, and we're glad he's blessing Chile, but we wouldn't mind if the Lord sent him back to Kentucky again. Amen? We could use him, couldn't we, Jackie? Amen. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, it's so good to be here. Listen, I'm just going to be real, real honest. Can I do that? I am tired. Like, I am. Y'all, Memo Bain used to say, war slap out. Y'all know what that is? I am war slap out. Uh, I didn't realize that until yesterday. Uh but the trip just caught up with me. Uh, but I, I, I want to—I just want to talk to you today. Is that okay? Can I just talk? Everybody said, "Yeah, right." He's not going to just talk. He's going to preach. No, I really do. I just want to talk. I, I've been meditating on on this scripture in First Corinthians chapter one, the whole chapter, for weeks now. And honestly, I've just had no idea why. And and like I'll read it, and I'll feel compelled before I even go to sleep to pick it up and read it again. And so I'll read it. I'm like, okay, God, that's really good. But what are you saying? And um, so I feel like I, I have just an inkling of a little bit of what the Lord is, is trying to, to say in this scripture. Um, and you know, for the whole year, we've been talking about being rooted in home and rooted in identity. <clears throat> and, and I, I want to go just a little deeper in that today. Um, and I've got several scriptures, and so we're just going to see what happens for a few minutes, and we're just going to talk, okay? So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. That's where we're going to start. And they're going to have these on the screen because I want you to see this stuff. I want you to be able to see. And I'm just going to break down some of it even as we're reading it. Is that okay? Okay. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. Of course, I'm in the Passion Translation. I am always thanking my God for you because he has given you such free and open access to his grace through your union with Jesus the Messiah. In him, you have been made extravagantly rich in every way. You've been endowed with a wealth of inspired utterance and the riches that come from your intimate knowledge of him. Now, I want you to think about this. Let me stop there just for a moment. Think about who's writing this. This is Paul, who said, I'm a Pharisee among Pharisees. 
I did everything. I, I was the top of the class. I was that, and I count that all as rubbish to know him, to have knowledge. It's the word gnosis. It, it, it's literally a sexual term, actually, as, as Joseph did not know Mary until Jesus was born. Adam knew Eve, okay? I don't need to go any further with the explanation, right? Y'all got that? Cool. I can. I can. I mean, we could. We'll save that for our marriage class. Your intimate knowledge of him. Listen to this. For the reality of the truth of Christ is seen among you and strengthened through your experience of him. I want you to get that word, through your experience of him. So he says intimate knowledge, but then he takes it to another level and says your experience of him. And that's good. So now you aren't lacking any spiritual gift. Okay. Seriously, I'm I'm really, I'm just going to talk today. And honestly, I'm okay if you talk back to me. Do you understand the weight of what he just said in that? That your intimate knowledge that moves to your experience in him gives you a grace to where you lack no spiritual gift. Do you know how many people that we encounter on a daily basis and the biggest issue that they have is what they think they lack? Even in the church, what they think they are lacking, and he says right here that because of your intimate knowledge and your experience of him, it qualifies you to lack in no spiritual gift. I just want to give you permission today to live the reality of the truth that you are not lacking any spiritual gift. Seriously. I want to see your hand. How many of you have struggled with what you you think you lack? Let me see your hand. Wow. Okay. So let's just do this. Let's just pray right now. Can we do that? I want us to pray and just ask Holy Spirit to let this go down deep in us that we would understand that because of our devotional life with him and our relational intimacy and experience of Jesus, we lack nothing. Can we do that? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. God, right now, we just we break agreement with every lie that we're lacking something. We break agreement with every lie that we're missing out or we don't have what it takes or we, we, we lack spiritual gifts and can't hear your voice. Yeah, I just specifically, I want to break that right now. I break the lie that you can't hear the voice of the Father right now, that you can't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we say that we receive the gifts that you have given us and we lack in none of them. We lack in none of them. And so, God, we just agree with your word that because of our intimate devotional knowledge of who you are, we do not lack any spiritual gift in Jesus' name. Amen. So now you aren't lacking any spiritual gift as you eagerly await the unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. I'm not going to go into that real deep today, but I I do want to reserve that I will come back to that because I believe that many of us, the reason we think we lack is because we live our lives veiled to who he really is. We live our lives veiled to who Jesus really is. Did you know that, that when, when Moses saw the glory of the Lord, 
in the cleft of the rock, he had to veil himself, right? But in the New Testament covenant, he was able, they were able to remove the veil that separated the people of God from God. But we still live our lives veiled to who Jesus really is and do not allow him to live his full life through us. We'll get to that later. He will, not today, he will keep, listen, oh, this is so good. He will keep you steady and strong to the very end. Some of y'all need to thank the Lord right now that you have Bible now that your spouse can be kept steady and strong. Some of y'all are smiling, but I'm telling the truth. One of the things that, 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 that just grates on my nerves is the up and down emotional movement of the body of Christ. Seriously, we're up one day, we're down the next. We're up one day, we're down the next. That is not Bible. That's the devil. But we have this right here, that he will keep you steady and strong. Do you all believe what I'm saying today? He will keep you steady and strong. How many of you need that in your life? I need that. I need to be steady. I need to be strong. I need to be able to keep the course and not be up and down. And he says he'll do that for us. Man, that's so good. <coughs> to the very end, making your character mature so that you will be found innocent on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will present you blameless. That's, that's how many of you know that in the, in the King James and New King James. He will present you blameless, faultless, before God. Do you know how much time I have wasted in my life trying to do it in my own discipline when all I needed to do with part, was partner with Holy Spirit? I've tried to be steady on my own. I've tried to be blameless on my own. And it opened doors to religion. It opened doors to legalism. It opened doors to all these different things that I had no ability to sustain in myself. See, here's the thing that happens. When you try to create something in yourself, it's you who has to sustain it. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, instead of the Lord raising up a standard against him, because you've created in yourself, it's now on you to raise up a standard against him. But he said that he would present us innocent before the Lord and making our character mature. It's so good. Man, I love the Bible. I'm, I, seriously, I'm trying to not go all Bible nerd on you today because that's really where I'm at. Because I'm thinking through some things that don't even make sense in my mind. And so I, I'm really trying to focus. But that's why I told you at the beginning we're just talking. Okay? I promise you're not getting like three points in a poem or anything like that. <coughs> Verse 9. Here we go. God is forever faithful and can be trusted to do this in you. For he has, here we are, this is where I want you to be, has invited you to co-share the life of his son, Jesus, the anointed one, our king. He's invited you to co-share. Some translations say he's invited you into partnership. I want to tell you that when I really got the depth of the partnership that is available with Jesus, the son, it totally revolutionized my walk with the Lord. He has invited you to a partnership to co-share the life of Jesus. Now, I want you to think about what that means. He's the only man that ever walked the earth that was blameless without sin, and you have the ability to partner with him. He's the only man that walked the earth that died and raised himself from the dead, and you have the ability to partner with him. 
You have the ability to co-share the life of Jesus. Did you know this? That the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body. What does that mean? For years, we thought, okay, that's going to happen at the resurrection, and, and the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is going to raise me from the grave when I die. No. It will quicken your mortal body. <coughs> There's nobody that's in the ground that is mortal. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so Jesus, thank you, Valerie. I'll get those in a minute. Jesus has, has told us that he wants to partner with us, that he wants us to co-share his life. Now, this is what took me down this, this path. We're going to jump over to Psalm 110. Let's do that, Psalm 110. Psalm 110. I'm just going to read the whole verse, but then I'm going to focus in on uh, just a couple of verses. Yahweh said to my Lord, the Messiah, sit with me as enthroned ruler. While I subdue your every enemy, they will bow low before you as I make them your footstool for your feet. Messiah, I know God himself will establish your kingdom as you reign in Zion glory. For he says to you, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will be your love offerings. New King James Version says they will volunteer. I love this, though. Your people will be your love offerings in the day of your mighty power. In the day of your mighty power, you will be exalted. <clears throat> and in the brightness of your holy ones, you will shine as an army arising from the womb of the dawn, anointed with the dew of your youth. Yahweh has taken a solemn oath. Here, here, here's, where I, here's where I am. Yahweh has taken a solid oath and will never back away from it, saying, you are priest for eternity, my king of righteousness. Let me read this, and I'll come back to that. The Lord stands in full authority to shatter pieces the kings that stand against you on the day he displays his terrible wrath. He will judge every rebellious nation, filling their battlefields with corpses, and will shatter the strongholds of ruling powers. Yet he himself will drink from the inheritance as from a flowing brook, refreshed by love he will stand victorious okay verse four Yahweh has taken a solemn oath and he will never back away from it saying you are a priest for eternity my king of righteousness okay so in the new king james version king james version it actually says the word melchizedek melchizedek was the king of salem we see him in genesis 14 15 abraham paid tithe to melchizedek and it was counted for future generations. So he pays tithe to Melchizedek. Melchizedek's an interesting character, and I'm, I'm not going to go real far down this road, just enough to say uh, the Bible says that he has no beginning and he has no ending. So there are a lot of people who think that maybe this was a manifestation of Jesus. Uh, jury's still out for me on that because they knew him as the king of Salem. Now, here's the thing. His name, Melchizedek, Malik Zedek, it means king of righteousness, and he ruled in Salem which the root word is shalom, which is peace. So the king of righteousness reigned in peace. Now, here's, here's what I want you to understand. The king of righteousness reigned in peace, and you are a priest forever. Now go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You co-share the life of Jesus 
the anointed one, or you co-share with the priest who is the king of righteousness who reigns in peace forever. So I've just been on this journey. Talking about I didn't even know about cousin Melchizedek like that. I didn't know that's how we were rolling. You know, I, I, I knew who he was, but I, I, I didn't know what, what was in there. So, so I'm, I'm studying this out a little bit, trying to figure out, okay, God, what are you saying about this that, that we need to know? And, and, you know, Charlotte and Lisa think that I only preach about devotion, and I think I only preach about identity. So, so, so that's, that, that's, that's where I'm at. I, you know, so if you have a good devotional life, then you get your identity, I guess is what it is. No, seriously. So I'm thinking about identity, and I'm thinking about, okay, God, what is it that you're trying to say to me? And here's what I want you to understand, that Hebrews which I'm not even going into that. If you read Hebrews 5, 6, and 7, it'll give you some New Testament concept on Melchizedek. Are, are y'all okay? I, I've, okay, I just want to make sure you're okay. Yes, I'm getting help from the amen corner over here. Brother Lincoln, thank you, Jesus. Okay, so the writer of Hebrews is explaining that there's no need for a high priest the way that it was in Judaism any longer, and there's no need for sacrifice, that Jesus has become the sacrifice, but he's also become the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, here's the thing. For years and years and years, I preached, I taught, I even thought, I was developing, honestly, I was developing a book around this idea of being a part of the Levitical priesthood. And I realized, Ryan, that is an Old Testament order that is no longer around. Seriously, I, I mean, I had the whole theology around it that, that I'm in ministry because my family was born into ministry and that's a part of the Levitical priesthood and that's, that's, that's what it is supposed to happen. I was wrong. Not completely, but for, for what I want to tell you. There is another priesthood. I, I, I know I'm giving you a whole lot of information up front, but I promise I've got a point that I want to give you, okay? There's another priesthood. It's called the Zadok priesthood. You could actually break it down, the Malik Zadok priesthood, because it comes from the same root word, okay? Malik Zadok, Melchizedek, it comes from the same root word, Zadok. In Ezekiel chapter 44, I would highly encourage you to go read Ezekiel chapter 44, verses 10 through 17. You see a description of God talking to Ezekiel and telling him that there are two sets of priests, the Levitical priest and the Zadok priest. And the Levitical priest were the ones who would minister to the people, allowing idols into the sanctuary, allowing everything that was debaucherous into the sanctuary, and they would continue to do that to please the people. But there's a Zadok priesthood that would only minister to him. And here's what God says. It's crazy. He says, I'm going to give the Levites what they want. He said, I'm going to let them continue to minister to the people, but they'll never be able to enter my presence. They'll only be able, watch this, they'll only be able to sacrifice the offerings that are brought. In other words, they'll only be able to kill worship for other people. Because it's outside of the sanctuary. But the Zadok priesthood, they will be able to minister before my throne and my presence will always be with them. Really important, really good theological stuff to get in. Malik Zadok, 
let me just stop and say right there, part of the reason that the church is in trouble in, in America is because we've subscribed to this idea of ministering to the people and not ministering to God. I just want to tell you, I, as a matter of fact, I want to tell you the issue that we have in America is, is not sin. You've heard me say that the greatest issue we have is status quo Christianity. It's the greatest hindrance to the move of God. It's the greatest hindrance to revival. Status quo Christianity, where you think that you can just do your deal once a week and you come together. I'm going to show you that was never the, never what he intended for us to do. Status quo Christianity is what is sending America to hell. It's not just sin. Because if there were burning churches and burning men and burning women, this nation would not be in the shape it's in. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. That's not what I'm about. The issue is we've got babies that are being murdered every day. The issue is that we have people who are trying to redefine the family that Jesus defined, that God defined in his word. We've got all of these things that are happening, and the issue is status quo Christianity. I'm not even mad at the world anymore. I'm angry at the church that we allowed status quo Christianity. Let me go on Sunday morning, check my card, and then I'm going to live my life the rest of the week the way that I want to do it, doing what I want to do, and not encountering the things of God. That's why we are where we are, okay? Make America great again. And I'm not saying he's going to do it for sure. I'm thankful. Hallelujah. I told you I'm just trying to talk. (laughs) Okay. So Melchizedek. Jesus is a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. He is king, priest forever. So remember what I said, king, priest, king of righteousness. The identity, here's the identity piece. When we co-share the life of Christ, we co-share his identity, right? Okay, go to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Remember I taught you a few weeks ago about what faithful witness means? That he is the trustworthy martyr. So you can't forget what you already know. Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead, and the ruling king who rules over the kings of the earth. Now to the one who constantly loves us and has loosed us from our sins by his own blood, and to the one who has appointed us as a, what's it say? Kingdom of priests to serve God and Father. To him be all glory, dominion throughout eternity of eternities. Amen. Okay, so here's where I'm at. He has appointed us as kings and priests, a nation of kings and priests before God. Who is Jesus? He's the high priest in the order of Melchizedek who is the king of righteousness who reigns in peace. Who are we? A nation of kings and priests. Here's what I want you to get. The order of Christ is that we would be kings and priests. Let's go to Acts chapter, uh, just to give you a little bit of, of context for this word priest, let's go to Acts chapter 13 really fast. This will be the last scripture, and then I'll talk just a little bit, and we'll be done. Acts chapter 13. 
In the church at Antioch, there were a number of prophets and teachers of the word, including Barnabas, Simeon from Niger, Lucius, the Libyan, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod of Antipas, and Saul. While they were worshiping as priests before the Lord in prayer and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, I have called Barnabas and Saul to do an important work for me. Now release them to go and fulfill it. So after they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them off. So this is the commissioning of Paul and Barnabas. Notice what it says. As they were worshiping before the Lord in pre- as priests. It's, it's literally a liturgical term, priesting before the Lord. You know the song we, we sing, priesting before you, Lord, is my desire. Came from this. Okay, that's, that's where that came from. They were functioning in their identity. Here, here's the deal. Functioning in their identity as priests, and it positioned them to move into an apostolic role that sent Paul and Barnabas, two of the greatest preachers of the New Testament, probably, sent them into their missionary work. So what we see here is the basis for an apostolic revival community that their sole identity is priesting before the Lord. Priesting before the Lord. This is the function of the body. However, I want you to catch this because this is where our identity goes. This, in turn, must produce a people who move into governmental legislation, the king role. It's our identity. It's our identity. What we have done is we've created these areas all over America specifically. And I say America because I think it's a little different outside of America. I think they're doing things a little different and have a little little bit of revelation on, on what an apostolic move really looks like and functioning as kings and priests. So what we've done is we've created this idea that we're going to gather on Sunday and I'm going to get my blessing. I mean, we've got songs. I've led songs. I can feel the presence of the Lord, and I'm going to get my blessing right now. Love it. You know, it's a great it's a great thing. But the problem is, is we live a whole lot of our life thinking that that's the extent of Christianity. Now, I'm not knocking Byron Cage. I love it. I promise. But we, we spend our lives thinking that Sunday is the morning that I come together and I, I get my blessing, and it sustains me for the rest of the week. That is a vaccination from hell. I'm telling you, it is a vaccination from hell. What is a vaccination? It gives you just a little bit of what it is you're trying to fight so that your body builds antibodies. What's happened is we've built, we've built antibodies against the moving of the Holy Spirit because it doesn't look the way that we think it should look and it doesn't sound the way that we think it should sound. So it must not be Holy Spirit moving and we have missed what he's wanting to do. And here's what, I, here's what I'm trying to say. I want to see awakening become a community of priests and kings. You cannot have the king piece without the priest piece. But the priest piece is incomplete without the king piece. If all we do is get together and priest before the Lord and it never moves into a function that changes our sphere of influence, it never moves into a place where we declare legislation into the atmosphere, we have missed the mark. <coughs> I've, I've taught over and over again about ecclesia in Matthew chapter 16. When, when Jesus asked Peter, who do men say that I am? They go through this whole discourse, and then they find, well, who do you say I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. 
really important. He's not talking about he's going to build it on Peter. He's talking about building it on the idea that somebody finally realizes who he really is. And he uses this word, build my church. Build, is the, it's a term that indicates building a family. Church is the word ecclesia. I've gone through that. Study that. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But he's building a governmental family. Okay? So the identity of who we are that we co-share is a priest and a king. Do you know what Jesus is doing right now? He's priesting before the Father on your behalf. He is your intercessor. He is praying to the Father for you. He's priesting before you. He's your intercessor. He's your advocate. We, in turn, co-share that life and become priests before the Father, priesting and advancing the kingdom in this world. It's the identity of who we are. And we are living under a false identity if we think all we're supposed to do is come together and be social in a church. I'm telling you that there has to begin to come declaration and legislation out of this house if we're ever going to see Louisville really turn and go into revival. There has to be legislation that happens in your home. There there are so many things that that we have encountered, and we'll come together and we'll say, you know what? You have no hold in this home. We declare as sons and daughters of the living God that you have to go, and this is the atmosphere that we will have in our home. Some of us live under so much hell just because we don't understand that we get to co-share in being a priest and a king. I'm just talking. You can't have the king peace without the priest peace. And the priest peace is incomplete without the king peace. Did you know that the blessing that you seek on the weekend is the lifestyle you're supposed to walk in every day? The thing that you think you're going to get by coming together here is the thing that you're supposed to walk in every single day because it's your identity as a king and a priest. To priest before the Lord, to worship him, It starts on the foundation of thanksgiving we talked about a few weeks ago. This is why worship is such a big deal. People come here and they're like, man, they worship for a long time. Absolutely, because it's our identity. It's who we are. We're going to priest before the Lord. We are going to priest before the Lord until it turns into governmental legislation where we declare that families are different. We declare that school systems are different. We declare that that abortion is ended. We declare that the family will be saved. We declare that that refugees will be ministered to. We declare that, that the revival fire of God will will not just come through Kentucky and America, but it will sweep across this nation and across this globe, and that the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. This is the legislation that we get to say, and here's the thing. He's already said it. We just have to agree with it. We just have to agree with it. It's a kingdom of kings and priests. That's your identity. Jesus is the high priest forever. In the order of Melchizedek, Malik Zadok, it's the one who would minister before the Lord, and he does that on your behalf. And then he says, listen, I'm going to bless you to do the same thing that I'm doing. I'm going to bless you. That's why, see, this. You, we don't have an understanding of this, or there wouldn't be five people that come to prayer meeting. I'm totally just talking. Seriously. Seriously, we make up every excuse. 
as to why we can't do it. But yet we say our corporate time, oh, I got to get on Sunday and I got to get there and have what I got to have and can't find you in the middle of the week. It's not just you, man. It's, it's all over. Don't think I'm just talking about awakening. It's, it's all over. Why? Because we don't have an understanding of what our identity really is. You were never called to be a Sunday morning status quo Christian. Nobody in the history of the world was ever called to do that. This is just my spot, and I'm faithful, and I'm going to write a check. No. You've believed the lie. You are a kingdom of priests. You have authority to declare change in your sphere of influence. And around, that's what happens. You understand that's what intercession really is? When you move into intercession, it's praying the heart of the Father. Now, I've been in, in, in scenarios and cases where people have forced intercession, and they begin praying their heart. And you can tell what happens. But when you begin praying the heart of the Father, do you understand you can make things turn in Cambodia right here from Kentucky? You can make things turn because your identity before the Father is a king and a priest, and we have the ability to co Share that identity. Here, I, I heard the Lord say this just before I came out here. Some of the things that we're asking for can only be shifted with corporate unity, a legislative body or family in a devotional posture that can leverage a shift in the nation. Some of the things that, that you're asking for, you don't have the leverage to shift because you don't understand your identity. But not only that, you don't understand the connection and the power of the corporate gathering, the corporate body. You've heard us tell this story over and over again. We, we, we shopped for houses and houses and looked and looked and looked, and we never could agree. We'd pull up to one and I'd hate it, and she'd love it. We'd pull up to another one, she'd love it, and I'd hate it. Did I say that? I hated both of them, I think, right there in that scenario, but I didn't mean to say that, vice versa. But we found the one that we liked, and boom, it happened, and we got the house immediately because of the power of agreement, right? So when we come together as a kingdom of priests, watch this. We have the ability to leverage and shift things in the nation. We are not successful because we have gatherings every Sunday. We're successful when we begin to shift things in this city because of the leverage that we appropriate. You know, I think about sports teams, and, and, and sports teams, they cost, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, sometimes into the billions, depending on the market. And sometimes one guy will do that, but most of the time, there is a group of investors that come together to leverage their assets to buy the greater franchise. Do you see what I'm saying? So the reason that we have to come together in corporate unity is so that we can leverage the power of the Holy Spirit from the kingdom that he's releasing to us and move into an area where we can actually shift something. What if we got to the place where we stopped screaming at demons and really had the ability to make them leave? We're not prophetic just because we come in here and we have prophetic words that, that, that come out in here. That doesn't make us a prophetic body. It makes us a prophetic body when we're able to hear the word of the Lord and understand how it would shift the city and shift the nation, and we begin to enact that as a kingdom of priests. Here, here's what I believe. We've not seen the shift materialize because we've not been rooted. That's why the Lord started talking to us about this. 
I, you know, I, listen, I, I understand what awakening is. I understand what our identity is. And, you know, we talk about the tough things, and, and, and we're going to confront those things in love. And we're doing that because that's what happens in family. That's what happens in family. There, there, there's times where, where things happen in, in our household, and we have to address them because that's what happens in family. And here, here's what I want to tell you. Kingdom family is not a temporary assignment. And we have hundreds upon hundreds of churches that are filled around this nation with people who think they're on a temporary assignment to that church. Listen, there are things that happen, and you have to, sometimes you move locations. I get it. But what I'm trying to get us is that you, we can't just decide, okay, well, they ticked me off, so I'm leaving. That's not kingdom family. And some of the reasons we've not seen the things materialize that we want to is we didn't get rooted enough to have family join in with us so that we could accomplish anything. I don't have time to go into this, but, but when, when they were building the Tower of Babel, I'll come back and teach this sometime. Do you understand why God struck it down? He said they speak one language, and if they do that, they can accomplish anything. He wasn't mad that they spoke one language. He was mad at their motives because they were trying to make a name for themselves. He actually says in Zephaniah later that he would restore one pure language. He would restore one pure language. Hello, Pentecost. I don't understand how the cessationists think that that's not for us anymore when he said he was going to restore one pure language, and it's the thing that could connect us, but I'm not talking about that today. Have I made any sense at all today? Okay. He said they could do anything because they spoke one language. Anything. What if we begin to speak the language of the Spirit again in unity as a nation of kingdom priests? What could be accomplished? What could be shifted? What if we decided to get off of the sidelines and stop saying, well, that's for somebody else. That's for somebody else. That's for somebody else. That's not me. That's not my calling. What is your calling? See, we've had it confused. We think that our calling comes out of our function, and our identity comes out of our function, what we do. But your identity never comes out of your function. It comes out of who he says you are. And he says that you're a king and a priest, that you have two jobs, priest before the Lord. That, in turn, turns into you being able to create legislation that causes things to shift. Let me be very clear. You cannot get to the legislative piece by trying to skip the priesting piece, which is why devotion is so important, and priesting before the Lord. You don't get authority if you're not willing to pay a price in devotion and priest before him. You don't get authority. And, and, and listen, I, I don't care what every TV preacher has told you. If you'll do this and you'll do that, then you're going to no. If you don't priest before him, in a life of devotion, it's illegal for him to give you authority to shift nations. It's illegal, and he will not do it. He's so married to his justice, and he's so married to his word that that will not happen. But when he finds a community, when he finds a company of people that will give themselves to priesting before the Lord, he then begins to release strategies for shifting culture. 
the whole king and priest thing, it's not optional, guys. It's not optional. Listen, I'm going to be very clear. I want to be very clear. There are people who are going to heaven that are never going to realize the fulfillment of this. Absolutely, they're going to go to heaven. And that's probably all that they want to do. But if you want to shift a culture, if you want to see a generation raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, in the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to pay a price to move into your identity as a king and a priest. You have to. You have to. And I have no interest in awakening, becoming a place where we come together and have a good time socially, and, oh, it's this, that, and the other, but we don't have the ability to shift anything. I'm not interested in that. I want to hear the stories like Bishop Grievous has of hundreds and hundreds of people being healed from confirmed cases of AIDS, right? I, 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 want, I want to continue. And, and here's the thing. Here's what I love about awakening. We're not. You understand there's one abortion clinic left in Louisville. The other one shut down in Lexington a couple of years ago, and as soon as it did, uh, there was a lady who, who would drive from Lexington and attend here often. She immediately, she emailed me, and she said, you know, we were praying and awakening for abortion to end, and they've just shut down the clinic in Lexington, and there's only one left. We are shifting things, and what I'm trying to tell you is I want you to move into the reality of being a priest before the Lord. It's why you were created. And when you do that, it qualifies you to become a king who has legislative abilities to declare that things have to shift with those around you. It's who you are. It's who you are. You lack no spiritual gift, and you've been invited to co-share the life of the anointed one. What is the life of the anointed one? The king of righteousness who reigns in peace. Yeah. Yeah. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. You can find us at 1725 Research Drive in Louisville, Kentucky, or online at awakeningky.com.